Welcome to the CNS Podcast featuring Dr. Daryl Anaba, Research Director for CNS Productions. Hi, and welcome once again to the CNS Addiction Podcast. I'm Howard Lemire here with Dr. Daryl Anaba. Uh, glancing at the news here, some of the things of note, the, uh, the director of the NIA has come out and apparently is advocating for the reorganization of the two groups, the the substance abuse group and the and the alcohol group. So uh, that's moving forward. Uh, a press release was issued here a couple of days ago, and so uh, that moves forward now, as we discussed uh, recently, and goes to the uh, Health and Human Services director, and then on to Congress. So that could happen within oh six or eight months, I guess. And um, there was also, uh, oh, the FDA has been continuing to to move forward with its with its new um, powers, with its with its new authority, and has gone ahead and sent letters to four of the manufacturers of the the energy slash alcohol drinks, asking them to remove the uh, caffeine, uh, saying that it's a public health danger. But, Daryl, it is kind of the holiday season here, and so let's talk about one of the perennial things that uh, affects people, and that's the holiday blues. Howard, before we start, you know, that you just piqued my interest on uh, those two stories there. One of the uh, things about the reorganization of the National Institute of Health and of all the different divisions that deal with drug abuse research and education, things like that. I was just shocked to find out that there are 27, there's actually 27 institutes and centers that make up the um, National Institute of Health. And so that's what's being looked at to let's, why do we have so many centers and institutes when research uh, is probably being duplicated in in different parts? Uh, Included in that, of course, is the National Institute on Alcohol, Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, and uh, also the National Institute on Drug Abuse. So you think about merging those uh, into one institute for substance use, abuse, and addiction research. Uh, 27 research. is definitely quite a few. Yeah, but it's classic bureaucracy run wild, I guess. On the other standpoint, as we might have mentioned uh, when we last talked about this, there is a real threat from uh, to the people uh, who who staff these institutes that... When you merge them together, they get subsumed or their their specific passion or what they're trying to look at, say, if alcohol, uh, Institute for Alcohol becomes merged merge with NIDA, uh, people in the alcohol division might feel that uh, or might fear that their, uh, their researcher interested in that one drug, alcohol, becomes less uh, of a niche, less of a priority for that new institute than does drug abuse, and for the same thing, any people who work for the Institute of Drug Abuse might be uh, fearful that uh, there would be less interest in, in their uh, special needs and, and more interest played to, to alcohol since it is a lo- larger drug being abused. So there's some realities to that, but I think, uh, as, as you and I agree, 27 does seem too many, and, uh, and I'm sure there's a lot of duplication. Uh, so that's definitely going to change things. The other uh, story you you briefly mentioned was the uh, alcohol beverages. Yeah, right, and the FDA's uh, new regulatory role. 
the thing that interests me about that, Howard, is that it, it's not, it's really got, they really, it, it's not employing a new regulatory rule uh, or role that the FDA did on, on this issue. What they did is they just uh, implemented the old powers that they had and make use of the old powers. And what they did with these uh, caffeinated um, cocktails that are pre-mixed and put sold out in cans or, or it, that's the only thing they're addressing, bottles and canned already pre-mixed uh, energy uh, drink cocktails with uh, alcohol. I don't think they're going to be able to regulate, maybe they can, uh, bars and, and the private clubs that, that mix them on site. Uh, right, the, the, the Jager bomb. Right, the Jager bomb, things like that. But what, what the FDA is saying, maybe they, they will be able to, because what, what the FDA is saying is they have deemed that caffeine is an unsafe food additive when it's added to alcohol. And they've always had that power to name something an unsafe food additive and ban it. And I don't think they've done that yet, but they're threatening to do that. And so in response, the four large uh, makers of the caffeinated cocktails, pre-canned and pre-bottled caffeinated cocktails, are, are with, withdrawing caffeine or they're taking caffeine out of out of their product. Uh, another thing we need to look at is, is that their, their products have an exorbitant amount of alcohol that usually doesn't show up in, in products, uh, pre-canned cocktails and things like that. They actually have a higher percent of, of ethanol and uh, a greater exposure to alcohol and, and sometimes larger cans, <laughs> larger volumes. So right. that, that in itself is an issue. But the FDA just... Uh, this came out and utilized their old power of naming things an unsafe additive, and that, that was enough to get big manufacturers to pull caffeine out of their beverages. Well, and it's, uh, in, in terms of the bars and, and taverns and restaurants, yeah, I think it's pretty unlikely that you're going to see any, anything change there because obviously uh, they're not going to stop selling coffee or espresso drinks if they have an espresso maker. And uh, they're obviously not going to stop selling alcohol. So Irish coffee is—it's it's, it's still going to be something that's that's available, but it, not in the in the in in the form that it is now. I think it makes it remarkably easy not to pick on college students, but it makes it remarkably easy to go down there and and get several cans and drink them down because they're they're fun. And I don't I don't have it. I haven't I haven't tried them. I don't know if they're sweet or not. I wouldn't be surprised if they were sweet, though. So not too hard to chug chug several down and get, you know, seriously uh, intoxicated, but not realize it because you're high from the caffeine. Yeah, there, there's certainly been a lot of deaths and a lot of uh, of concern uh, in the health issues of this, enough so that it's bringing about, uh, even in many states, a banning of them by state law in the Oregon just this uh, last week announced that Oregon becomes yet another state who are banning all pre-can energy cocktails. So right. it's it is a it is an issue in that way. So uh, we are in the holidays now, and aside from we could talk about food addiction, but we do that every couple of weeks. So we'll we won't do that right now. We'll wait until after we've had our feast, and then we'll talk about food addictions. <laughs> Uh, but let's let's talk a little bit about the seasonal holiday blues that can affect people, especially if you don't have a strong family. Well, actually, if if you don't have a strong family support system, or in some cases, if you if you have a family exactly. and it's and it's a dysfunctional family, 
or even uh, if it, it, it can go either way. And even if it's a functional family, it, it's uh, it afflicts people who are struggling, of course, with uh, their chemical dependency issues in early recovery and every early treatment, or even that uh, some in long term treatment. It, af- it certainly af- impacts those people with affective disorders. Uh, such as major depression, bipolar disease, and and it affects uh, uh, people with post-traumatic. It affects a lot of Americans every year because the general uh, normy, normal population uh, views this time of year as great joy, joy and spreading of of good feelings and getting together with uh, loving loved ones and just really having the most wonderful time of year. But if you're uh, suffering from anything that can impact your mood on a medical basis, then it's it's the opposite. Seeing all this joy around you just sort of magnifies how depressed you are and how f- bad you're feeling and how your life is not going any place and, and tends to uh, stimulate feelings of uh, greater greater feelings of suicide, greater feelings of melancholy, and it kind of sneaks up on me every year, Howard. It just uh, I guess being so busy, we we afford very little time to plan and to deal with this in, in treatment programs. And uh, this morning with my morning staffing, I was uh, immediately reminded, and we reminded each other that we're in the holiday season. It's that time of year. We right. had one client who was uh, definitely suicidal from uh, some post-traumatic stress phenomena, um, almost every other client's depressed. And like I said, we have uh, one woman in treatment who's come from a very, very uh, beautiful family. She's got uh, uh, three beautiful young children at home. Uh, her husband's very supportive and uh, very uh, interested in helping her overcome her prescription drug abuse. So she's in treatment to overcome prescription drug abuse. But she was just having a meltdown uh, this weekend because it's Thanksgiving and coming up Christmas and it'll be the first time ever that she hasn't spent them with her children and preparing them for, you know, to have a great time and buying the presents and, and cooking their meals. And here she is stuck in a treatment program, you know, dealing with some heavy issues that to help her address so that she can then learn how to maintain her recovery, which she desperately wants to do. But it's set up a ambivalence in her because she, would rather right now be with her family and be with her children. Right. And uh, we have to remind her that her children, you know, in the long run will appreciate her sacrifice and, and what she's going through because she's worried about not being a good mother because she's not there to help them celebrate the season. Uh, but it's difficult for her. She's uh, uh, genuinely depressed and understandably situationally depressed. Uh, she's got tremendous amount of clinicians around, a lot of counselors, a lot of supportive people. But that doesn't break the holiday blues. You're going to get those holiday blues, and it's always a stressful time of year. So as clinicians, uh, I've reminded the staff to pay attention to that and to bring it up that at today's group meetings with our residential and outpatient clients that it is this time of year, and it's a time when uh, other people are feeling great, but it's going to magnify how bad and how much your struggle is, and then uh, offer alternatives because there are uh, recovery uh, systems like marathon meetings, <laughs> believe it or not, of AA and marathon meetings of NA 
during Thanksgiving all day long, during Christmas all day long, of people in similar boats realizing that they're struggling with this and, and they could support each other not to slip that day, not to use, because that's the prize. That's what you're trying to accomplish. But also you're trying to help everybody get over this time where they feel melancholy. Now, as we've talked a lot about the uh, the increase in in prescription um, prescription drug abuse. Does that uh, do you see that impacting this uh, holiday blues in in a different way than alcohol or or other street drugs? In a little way, it does. Addiction is addiction, regardless of the drug uh, that you're using and, and what processes. But what what it's um, definitely happening with prescription drugs is it sneaks up on people. A lot of people who don't view themselves of ever being an alcoholic or a heroin addict or a cocaine addict. Yeah, I was thinking that, I mean, you know, some of those drugs are, are prescribed for depression. Exactly. They get, they get prescribed for legitimate things originally, and they get prescribed for pain, for depression, sometimes for attention deficit disorder. And they're taking it and they're approved FDA medications under a medical system to be taken for that. Then they find themselves in trouble all of a sudden saving up the doctor shopping, getting multiple doctors, uh, grabbing them from other friends or other people who aren't using their medications. And they get their dosage way up and then they sit back and realize, my gosh, I can't control this thing. It's, it's a runaway freight train and I'm on it and I, I, I'm, my life is going downhill and they uh, even when they come into treatment like the one when we have in treatment now she's struggling with uh, uh, a major issue of whether or not she's an addict she doesn't want to view herself as an addict our society tends to put uh, a view of women who are addicts in a very negative way much more negative than men so it's harder for women to accept that they have an addiction. And she recognizes that she's had uh, issues and problems and it's, it's uh, become a threat to her relationship and a threat to her uh, actually being able to uh, stick with her children. I mean, she's got an ultimatum from her husband. She's got probably family courts involved with it saying if she doesn't uh, deal with this, that she's, she's, they're going to take away the children. So she she's in treatment, but she's really struggling with the fact that, am I really an addict? Am I like, you know, what they show on television, the degenerate heroin addict or degenerate cocaine addict? Because all I did was I, I just used Vicodin and, you know, Oxycontin, and they were prescribed originally, and I used them too much, but she doesn't really accept fully that she's an addict yet, and that's our, our job is she's new in treatment, so we got to work strongly with her to understand uh, what the, the neurobiology of addiction is and how, what the symptoms are and how it's diagnosed and hopefully lead her to fully accept that she does have an addiction problem and that the best treatment for her is to accept that and uh, participate in things that can make her healthy, keep her absent for those drugs. Uh, but that coupled with, uh, with the holidays coming up and sort of a normal functioning during the holidays for most of her life with warm, loving husband and kids and family all around and baking the pies and cooking the turkey. And now she's in treatment for that time of year. It's just hitting her real hard, understandably. All right. Um, any other advice for uh, either people uh, grappling with uh, holiday blues or 
um, those of us in support uh, situations? Well, for for those of us in support situations, the other issue is that uh, we tend to take uh, normism for granted. And so if you plan a holiday party or you plan to have something or even take your relatives or your spouse or, or your children out to dinner, alcohol is going to be part of that equation because that's the normal thing to do during holidays. People tend right. to drink more during holidays. And it's it's important that uh, the, the people in the family who are, are normals or who aren't addicted to drugs or alcohol, that they have a, a strong responsibility to do everything they can to support the person in their continued recovery, which means that maybe they should forego having alcohol at their Thanksgiving dinner. Maybe they should forego going out to dinner where there's going to be alcohol served as a matter of fact and, and uh, be a sensitive to having a, a really great time without uh, having to uh, expose a recovering pe- person to uh, drugs or alcohol. Uh, for the recovering person, they have to uh, accept like they have hopefully accepted that they're different, that they have addiction, that that difference also makes them vulnerable to the holiday blues and that this time of year is, is, is not a time to decrease your meetings, not a time to decrease your interaction with your sponsor. It's not a time to decrease any kind of counseling you have. Actually, it's a time to increase it. It's a time to get as many tools and many resources as you can to help you get over this as possible. Uh, because it is a high uh, risk for relapse this time of year with, with the blues happening. Okay. Well, um, hopefully we can, uh, we can uh, just work together and, and make it uh, safely and sanely through the, through the holidays. Uh, as ever, those of you listening, if you have comments, questions, we'd love to hear them. Um, stop by the website, cnfsproductions.com. Drop us a note there. Daryl, thanks. You know, maybe inappropriate after we just did the holiday blues talk, but happy holidays, Howard. Happy holidays. That wraps our pod for today. Thanks for visiting the CNS Podcast. Please check back soon for the next in the series and visit our website, www.cnsproductions.com.